0: to affect autism, where affect is the number one tool we use in supporting child development through playful interactions. Hi, I'm Daria Brown. And this week, we have something a little bit different. I'm actually sharing a presentation from the New York City DIR conference from March 5th, 2021 entitled Thank you for being a friend how one group used games to foster friendships and stay connected throughout the COVID-19 pandemic. And this was presented by two OTs at the Rebecca School, June Illawite and Morgan Weissman. And you're going to see the recording of their presentation. So I hope you enjoy it.
1: Welcome. And we really appreciate you all being here today. My name is Morgan Weissman. I am an occupational therapist. the Rebecca school as well as part of the floor time department and I am also a training leader for ICDL or ICTL. and I teach 201 and 202 courses both at Rebecca school and online so if you want to learn more after today could visit the website and there's so many different courses you can sign up for um
2: hi I'm June I am an occupational therapist working in the four time model at Rebecca School as well.
1: So again, thank you so much for being here and today we will be talking about a group that was formed as well as how it transformed and really what today is for us. It's a story about a group of students and staff coming together to keep their spirits up and their relationship strong through scary and uncertain times. So we hope you enjoy our presentation. So some of our learning objectives for today will include participants being able to incorporate the DIR floor time concepts um, in relation to connection and friendship, as well as being able to develop a deeper understanding of how to facilitate play and leisure opportunities that meet the holistic needs of individuals. And participants will be able to look beyond explicit skill based teaching methods and start to recognize the importance of autonomy and this process over product work in play.
2: So a little bit about how our group got started. Um, It began in April 2020 after we began to face the reality that we would not be going back into the school building anytime soon. Um, And while this was a scary and unsettling reality, we wanted to create a space for both staff and students to have fun, hang out, connect and laugh. Um, We really wanted to bring the same robustness we experience in person to a virtual platform. Um, And this, group reaffirmed that the power of relationships and connections build resiliency and the lessons we took away from this group will forever change our practice as OTs. Um, so why did we start a group um, around playing games? Uh, there was already an established interest with uh, this group of boys that we work with. Um, The students were already playing UNO and word games in the classroom, which had cultivated and deepened friendships. Um, And we looked at the student schedules and thought about where there was a need. And as occupational therapists, we address an individual's occupation, um, which really refers to what occupies one's time and
1: what are the meaningful activities. So the occupational therapy practice framework identifies play, leisure and social participation as some meaningful occupations. And when they describe play, they think about activities that are intrinsically motivating and shaped by multicultural factors. And leisure is defined by non-obligatory activity that is again intrinsically motivating. That's a really important word here. And engaged in discretionary time, as well as social participation. So activities that involve interactions with family, peers or community members. And what's really important to think about here is that these areas of occupation are just as important as other areas of occupation, such as education and work and are really driven from intrinsic motivation and really coming from your heart and your own volition of what brings you joy and how that shapes who you are. So who better than Mr. Rogers to describe to us the importance of play? So Mr. Rogers said that play is often talked about as if it were a relief from serious learning. But for children, play is serious learning play is really the work of childhood. So play, while it might seem simple and straightforward, it's actually quite complex. And as you can see here, play is this complex ecosystem of interconnectivity And it impacts every area of development from sensory integration, to motor planning, to communication, to feeling a sense of safety. And it's these different components of play that interact with one another in this positive feedback loop. And we really can't just think about one area related to play as the most important. They're all so interconnected and so influential for development. So if we know how important play is, why do we stop playing at around first grade, maybe seven years of age, we see this shift in education from this free and open play to a more rigorous learning curriculum that involves facts and memorization. And even when there are times that play is available it's usually controlled by the adults and this is the opposite of what we know to be important and true about play play is intrinsically motivating and it's just a part of figuring things out for yourself and taking in information from the environment from your body making adaptive responses and really starting to develop that sense of agency and control
2: And the way that we play, especially in adolescence, is through forming friendships. I should mention in this group, most of the students are autistic. So a lot of the background research we did includes articles related to autistic individuals. Um, And here I'd like to highlight a few quotes from a research article regarding autism and friendship. Many autistic people describe themselves as Um, interested in others and motivated to engage with them. Autistic adults and adolescents express a desire for friends. Autistic children are as likely as non-autistic children to choose to play with someone else rather than alone. And for many autistic individuals, social interest itself is not lacking. So what we've established so far is that there is an importance as well as a desire. So what is a friend? The occupational therapy practice framework defines friendship as engaging in activities that support a relationship between two people based on mutual liking in which partners provide support to each other in times of need. And I like this definition because it highlights how meaningful and necessary friendship is. Um, And through creating this presentation and reflecting, we recognize Uh, We need to be more aware of our language and think about what this term means to students. Um, When we're referring to classmates, should we use the word friend, peer, classmate? Um, We're not arguing that there's a black and white answer to this question. If a student calls another peer his friend, we can refer to him as his friend too. But what we are saying is we shouldn't impose friendship where it doesn't exist. And we should open the door to conversation about what a friend means to the students. Um, A survey study found that a significant portion of us youth are experiencing unmet needs and negative emotions due to covid 19 many are experiencing symptoms of anxiety and depression and feel like resources such as food toilet paper and money are limited many noted that staying connected was a coping strategy. And the author suggested that additional youth outreach is necessary to ensure that basic needs, including socialization, are met. Uh, friends play a significant role in promoting overall health. Adults with a strong support, um, strong social support have a reduced risk of many health problems, including depression, high blood pressure, unhealthy BMI, and loneliness is even tied to mortality. And having positive friendships can increase your sense of belonging and purpose, improve your mood, boost your happiness and reduce your stress, improve your self-confidence, sense of self-worth, help you reach your goals, and help you cope with traumas and provide support. Based on a survey study with 22 autistic children and 19 typically developing children between the ages of 8 and 14, Um, An unfortunate result is that some autistic people report experiencing greater loneliness than non-autistic people. And these findings as well as as all the points I made uh, in the previous slide highlight
1: the need for social opportunities during this time. So while planning and thinking about this group, it was really important to us to create a space for both predictability as well as fun. And as we mentioned earlier, this group was developed in the beginning of April, 2020. And that was a time when we really had no idea what to expect. And looking back then, I don't think we ever could have imagined how long we would have been out of school for. But in that moment, we felt a need for connection. And we, reflected on our own anxieties and our own state and the connections that we were were yearning for. I think as floor time providers, we love our work and not being at school and with our students was really hard for us. So we really started to think about what that was also like for them. And in creating this space, what was the most important to us was just to have that predictability of just showing up each week at the same time and knowing what to expect. So kind of what the group format might look like on a each week. And again, this provided some predictability and routine to us, which was supportive of our regulation as well as all of the group members regulation. So part of our vision for this group was to make sure that we were incorporating the following. So a sense of belonging that was felt by each individual group member, this was staff and students included, as well as inclusion and how to really make each person feel welcomed and that their ideas were valuable and accepted. We also thought about mutual respect for one another and making sure that we we're creating a space where we could listen and consider another person's feelings, as well as create a space for the students to take on a sense of agency, which resulted in them taking on the role as a game leader, where they would choose a game and they would be in charge. And agency and control was something very important to us during this time when I think you can, most of you can relate kind of feeling out of control.
2: So to give you guys a picture of how we ran this group, um, we did it once a week for 30 minutes over Zoom, and it would involve something related to a game. Um, We didn't necessarily play a game from start to finish each week, but we usually did something game related each group. Um, There's one group where we spent the whole time talking about which games we like and which ones we don't like. Um, And there was another group where we spent the majority of the time just talking about missing being in person and what it's like living in a pandemic. um, And that's what they needed in that moment. Um, There would be one game leader each week. um, And although sometimes certain games ended up taking longer than one week, uh, which leads me to my next point, uh, which in keeping with the floor time model, we placed a large emphasis on process over product. We really tried not to let them, um, we tried not to rush them through any of their games and let them really take the time to flesh out their ideas. If it took four weeks to play a game of Connect Four, then that's how long it would take. Um, and we wanted the students to feel like this was their group. Um, sometimes we chose the games that would lead the group, say if it was after vacation, we hadn't chose a leader or for other circumstances, but for the most part, a student was in charge, not just of choosing the game, but of directing the other students in how it was going to be played and facilitating the whole group.
1: Participation was very important to us for this group. And as the group began to evolve, we started to think about what participation meant for each individual group member. So we really focused on uh, the appreciation for presence. and. No matter how a group member chose to participate on a given day their presence was appreciated and just showing up for group was enough even if that meant you had your camera off or you weren't typing in the chat or responding to other group members questions having you in the group we appreciated your presence and during the occasions that group members were not there as a group we thought about them and we missed them and we're hoping that they would come back next time. We also thought about um, just some basic group um, tenants and what that was gonna look like. So as a group in the beginning, we would get together and we would create group promises. And these were coming from the group members. So promises included showing up on time. And that came organically in the sense that While we were all trying to get used to this new virtual learning platform and managing our schedules, we were showing up on staggering times and that was resulting in us not being able to play games or not being able to even plan. And as the group continued to move on, we recognized that this was something important to us. We also spoke about being open to each other's ideas and accepting And that was something that we really saw each group member um, take and make their own. We thought about inclusivity and again, how all group members ideas were welcomed, acknowledged and sought out. So for group members who may not have been openly sharing, we would make sure to check in with them, whether that was through private messages in the chat box or during individual sessions and just ask them how the group was going and what their experience was like. It's also important to mention that there was the um, openness in terms of if group members wanted to be a part of this group, and that was something that was really important to us, that just because you have OT scheduled for three times a week doesn't mean that it has to be during this group, and really thinking about what does the group mean for you, and is it something that you want to continue to come to? And we also really were thinking about the different ways of support. And through this virtual platform, we really learned a lot about our students' learning styles and how we can incorporate their learning styles through accommodations, even when they came back into the building. So for example, even though right now we're still hybrid, we found that our group members did really well using and and playing through the computer. So when we do have this group, we still set up our group members in a room with their own computer and they're able to participate that way.
2: So here are a few of the games that we played. Um, Through this group, we learned that in terms of games that can be played over Zoom, the possibilities are endless. Um, They found ways to adopt physical games like Connect Four Um, as well as digital games by sharing their screens and using the remote control Zoom feature. Um, One game that was a big hit was Guess Who, in which a student and staff member would go into a breakout room while the rest of the members changed their Zoom names and turned their cameras off. And then when the student and staff member came back from the breakout room, they'd have to figure out who each of us were, um, which was very fun. Um, And we... Um, we just also like to note that we're happy to share the logistics of how we played any of these games over Zoom. So if you're planning on using these in a future group, please reach out and give you some tips. Um, some floor time concepts that were embedded into this group include uh, following the child's lead. So allowing students to implement their own games and lead the group. Um, for example, one student is very passionate about a computer game called Tank Trouble. Which he talks about all the time. Um, I've heard about him. I've heard him talk about this for the the past year that I've been working with him. So having the opportunity to show his peers what this game is was really meaningful for him. Um, in terms of uh, meaningful relationships, the R of floor time, um, it wasn't a brand new group. You know, students have known each other for some over five years. So. There was already a sense of attunement between students and students, between students and therapists, um, as well as staff to staff. So forming this group really helped us maintain and even expand our relationships. And there's something special about getting a peek inside each other's homes and glimpses of what each other's lives are like outside of school, um, which is valuable in forming stronger connections. Regarding affect, this was an emotionally driven group. Um, members became really invested in the games, uh, which would lead to a wide range of emotions from excitement, to nervousness, to disappointment, to pride. Um, some members had really high affect and would start the group by saying, this is game group uh, in the Jeopardy tone. And it created like a really alerting energy that was felt by everyone. Um, And as a group, we all became better at reading each other, and we'd start to notice each other's thoughts, preferences, and feelings and comment on them. Um, And in terms of expanding ideas, uh, we supported the students in bringing their ideas to life, which in some cases took weeks of planning, but it was important to let them see their vision through. So to talk a bit about the functional, emotional, developmental capacities, the D and DIR, um, in terms of regulation, we found that having this group on a virtual platform was actually very supportive of many of the students' regulation because it was easier to support all group members' individual differences. For example, participants could choose to shut their cameras off or put their volume lower when needed And this set the foundation for interaction.
1: And we really saw a range of affects that June mentioned earlier and how thought thinking about how that relates to capacity to engagement and relating. We also noticed that the participants were more available to co regulate with us as well as one another and resume activities during some of those more emotionally charged moments when there was possibly a rupture and repair. And overall, just what we noticed from group members, both staff and students was the shared joy and coming together. And again, during this time when we first started, there wasn't so much joy going on. And it was just really nice to create and have this space to come and laugh together, even if it was only for 30 minutes.
2: For um, capacity three or two-way purposeful communication, members used all different kinds of ways to participate in the group, um, including verbally commenting, typing in the chat, screen sharing, Using the reaction buttons like the thumbs up or clap symbol um, holding up different objects and just through gestures and facial expressions Um, and this further opened our eyes to accessibility and the range of communication methods that could be used. Um, For capacity four or shared social problem solving. There was a constant need for ongoing problem solving by creating and sequencing creative ideas throughout every group. Uh, Many of the games involved weeks of planning um, during individual sessions where they had to figure out how the game that they chose could be adapted to play in the group and how to make decisions when unexpected changes occurred. Um, And it was really shared social problem solving. Once they had their ideas, they had to bring it back to the group and figure out how to execute it together. Um, for example, when one person who was in charge of game group didn't show up, uh, the rest of the members had to decide what they were going to do and how to decide in a fair way. And we saw all kinds of creativity displayed. Um, so it was it was really um, cool to see all the different kinds of games that could be adapted. Um, for capacity five, for using symbols and creating emotional ideas. Um, Symbols are used throughout many of these games, including charades, 20 questions, and Pictionary, in which members have to think about what the person is acting out, answering questions about, or drawing represents. And emotional thinking was evident when members expressed emotions and feelings related to the activities through providing through um, rating the games and providing feedback. And elements of symbolic thinking anchored us as a group and supported capacities one through four. Thinking really is regulating.
1: What we started to see in terms of logical thinking and building bridges was that group members started to have a sense of pride and accountability for when it was their turn to lead. And they really took on that ownership role when it was their turn. And what we saw was that was supportive of maintaining a continuous flow, even during moments of a communication breakdown or during challenging problem-solving interactions. Because as June mentioned earlier, we really learned that the possibilities were endless in terms of adapting games over Zoom. And there was no instruction manual for this. The students were coming up with their own instructions and there was no right or wrong answers. It was just their way of thinking and how they were going to come together to play a game. And a lot of logical bridges
2: had to be formed to play these complex games um, as well as during unprompted interactions between group members. Um, For example, in Jeopardy!, the members all came up with their categories and clues and had to think about describing a clue in a way that other members of the group might know what they're referring to without stating the word Um, in 20 questions. You have to build a lot of logical bridges, for example, thinking, "Hmm, it's not an animal and it's not something soft. So it's probably not a teddy bear. What else could I ask to find out what it is?
1: and the group became more aware of one another's emotions which really showed us um growth in multi-causal thinking so the group started to be able to think about their own lives and make predictions about one another based on their own experiences as well as what they knew about their peers so for example if a group member signed off in the middle of the game the group members were able to think of more than one reason that that could have happened, such as um, internet troubles or having to go to another session, having to go get a COVID test or go to an appointment. These were all things that were real. And instead of just thinking, oh, well, this group member is probably angry because their game wasn't picked or they're not having fun, they were able to think about a range of reasons and make predictions. We also saw the students really move from um, more concrete to gray area thinking in terms of having attitudes such as I will play this game or I won't play this game or I like this game. I don't like this game, so I don't want to play it and they started to be able to think about their preferences and um, describe it using a varying degrees of feelings and Provide reasons as well as kind of start to rank the games that they liked in order, as well as rate their games. And on our next slide, you will see um, an example of one of our ratings. So, when we think about capacity nine and reflective thinking, what we really thought about was how group games are often emotionally charged, and that's no matter what game you're playing with. So, if you can think about some of the games that you played as a child, or even games that you play as an adult, games just create emotion. And maybe it's excitement or competitiveness, disappointment. These all naturally come along with playing games. And Dr. Greenspan recognized the importance of conflict resolution when thinking about reflective thinking. And just how it really influences and exercises the ability to think reflectively. So what we started to notice that they were more attuned and aware of each other's emotional signals. And as I mentioned earlier, there was more availability for that rupture and repair, which wasn't always taking place in the classroom. And that's what happens when relationships are meaningful. We put in more effort to repair after a rupture. So while we did see um, more gray area thinking really it was the relationships that drove this reflective thinking. And what we started to notice was that this was translating into their classroom and other school activities now that they had this solid relationship built. So here is an example of um, a group rating scale that we used when we were talking about the game 20 questions. So for 20 questions, we had a mystery box and group members would ask what questions related to what is inside the box. So when it was one of our group members turns, he some of his responses were, yes, it's alive no it's not a pet yes it's furry and at this point for those of you who know me you know I was panicking and my next question was can it be in your box and the answer was yes and while we did not guess what was in the box he revealed a picture of a fox that he had drawn and wanted to share with the group so yes a representation of a living animal that was indeed alive, not a pet and furry and was okay to be in the box. And as you can see here with our rating scale, what we would offer is um, just some different ways for the students to rate and communicate their preference. And this is was supportive in helping them move from that concrete to gray area thinking. And actually what we noticed was after doing some of these scales in the beginning of the group, that we didn't really need the scales anymore because students were just expressing their preferences and interest on an organic level, saying, I like guess who better than Jeopardy, but it's okay. I'll still play Jeopardy today because this peer chose it. And that was really beautiful. So checking in and reflecting. So As we mentioned before, predictability, routine, consistency was really, really important to us. Just showing up and trying our best to be present again in a really scary and uncertain time. And we felt that we really needed to do that for our students. And while we didn't use any formal assessment to monitor or track progress, we did watch video and we met regularly But again, most importantly, we checked in one to one with our group members and continuously asked them, how is this group going for you? Is there anything that you would change about it? What do you think we can do better as a group? What do you like the most about the group? What do you like the least about the group? And again, always giving the option that if this group doesn't feel right for you, then you don't have to participate. So what we started to notice that indicated the group was going well was um, group roles and rituals that began to develop. And as June mentioned earlier, we started the group each week with the Jeopardy theme song of welcome to game group. We also had the group member who was our timekeeper. And if we were getting close to time, would Point to his wrist in the camera to remind us because you know what happens when you're having fun time flies and we also had our group member who made sure to keep us on track if we started to go on a tangent or lose loose sight of what we were playing or talking about we even started to pick a favorite game as a group which became guess who and We noticed that when it was a group members turn to lead they were starting to choose guess who for the few weeks in a row and instead of looking at this as challenges with ideation. What we looked at it from this frame of oh wow these students and group members are experiencing shared interests and having fun together and that's what happens in a group you appreciate each other's ideas and you become inspired by them. So we also saw um, an increase in attunement for this group, where, again, students were showing interests about each other's interests and games and commenting spontaneously about each other's passions. Or if they knew that one of them liked a favorite television show or favorite character, they were bringing that to the group. as we saw students become more attuned to each other's emotions. We and interest. We also notice group members organically supporting one another. So, for example, when a group member was unable to think about what to change his name to during guess who another group member stepped in and recommended um, a baseball player because he knows that that student is passionate about baseball. We also noticed a group investment and really starting to see group members think about this group outside of the group. So in individual sessions or in other groups, group members would ask, what are we going to play in game group today or next week? Or are we still playing Jeopardy? And I really want to play Guess Who again? And that was great to see how um, invested they were in thinking about it outside of the group. Another indicator that things were going well was the attendance that we saw. So our students, especially in the beginning when we were all really trying to figure out what virtual learning would look like, their schedules became packed pretty quickly. And it was really hard at the beginning to kind of manage our schedules even for ourselves and kind of get used to this moving through one Zoom meeting to the next, but what we started to see was that our group members kept showing up and they kept showing up on time and just ready to participate in whatever capacity they needed to that day. So we wanted to give you some insights into our learning journey and our shift in thinking. and. Really through um, this group and followed by our research, we began to learn more about the neurodivergent framework and the culture of autism. And we are just so grateful for this experience because it will forever have an impact on not only the way that we interact with our clients, but also the way that we engage and relate to all people. And I think Jeff said this perfect this morning of floor time really just becomes a way of life and how you engage with all people in your life. So autism is widely viewed through the lens of a medical model. And this is very problematic. Because what the medical model does is it creates a collection of symptoms that indicate that the brain and body is in need of fixing. So in our medical model, you see words like cure or eliminate or treat deficits. Correct. And it's very problematic and it's not supportive of the eye. And again, I think Jeff mentioned that this morning. So This shift in thinking to the neurodivergent framework is very important because it recognizes that people's bodies and minds are different rather than deficient. And uses words like strengths and passions and agency and accommodations and rights and opportunities and we need to join this movement as educators and therapists as caregivers and friends and become allies. Um, A major contributor to
2: this movement away from the medical model is Damian Milton, who wrote a paper titled, On the Ontological Status of Autism, The Double Empathy Problem. And in this article, he states, double empathy produces a critique of autism being defined as a deficit in theory of mind, reframing such issues as a question of reciprocity and mutuality. So in other words, breakdowns in communication between neurotypical people and autistic people is not due to a deficit in autistic people, but instead there's difficulties on both ends. And this is a really important concept that we want you to take away from this presentation. Um, Milton goes on to state that In analyzing the interactions that autistic people have with the wider population it's easy to problematize the definition of autism as a social deficit located within an individual's mind. Differences in neurology may well produce differences in sociality, but not a social deficit as compared to an idealized normative view of social reality. Such definitions may help to sign post disability support services, but they are in no way defining of autism in any kind of holistic sense.
1: So some of our research brought us to this topic of intersubjectivity. And what intersubjectivity does is highlights that there is diversity in ways in which we interact with one another and that there's no need for everyone to respond in the exact same way or even form a consensus in every conversation. Rather, it's the differences in the ways that we interact are really important. And it involves this process of just people coming together to create a shared understanding. And that's really what we took away from this group was when you have a group made up of meaningful relationships, roles and rituals start to form and group customs start to develop and they might be different and they might not be what we had anticipated would happen, but the importance of really just being present and let this group develop organically and find their own way of coming together and creating understanding was important. So. Three um, important core aspects of neurodivergent intersubjectivity include coherence, affect and symmetry. And again, when thinking about intersubjectivity, we're really just talking about the process where people come together to create a shared understanding that's dependent on group norms and culture. So when we think about coherence, we're thinking about the maybe alignment of conversation and turns and what it means to stay on topic, not measuring when we go off topic, but really what's happening in big picture as a group and how we stay on topic. And we also um, think about affect and as floor timers, we are very familiar with affect and know that it is the sun as Dr. Greenspan mentions in the learning tree that enhances all learning. Um, and really, when we think about affect here, we're just thinking about that emotional harmony between interactions. So thinking about laughing or complimenting or commenting about one's interests, as well as criticizing or even complaining. And those things happen in a group. That's part of interactions and being in relationships and really thinking about what that means for the group. And again, how the group moves through these two different ways of harmonizing. We also thought about the symmetry and what symmetry represents here is describing the alignment of conversation. So really thinking about who is initiating, was it one or two group members that continue to initiate and share ideas And was that because that was the group roles that they were taking on or was it because other group members were unsure how to express their um, preferences and share their ideas. So really making sure that there is that balance and that again group members participation is coming from With them and how they want to participate and if they want to participate more and want support then providing that support. Um, so as we begin to think about the shift away from the medical model, it really brought us to thinking about cultural differences. So in Western cultures, a fairy gives you money in exchange for children's teeth left under their pillow at night. And in other cultures like Spain, for example, raton Perez, the mouse takes children's teeth and replaces it with gifts. So these are two different cultures, neither one better than the other. And this really helped us to understand how important it is to keep in mind that when thinking about what is the culture and what is the culture fostered in the autism community. So we started to reflect on how important it is to create spaces and groups for socialization and what happens far too often in social skills learning is that social skills are taught with with scripts or specific rule followings when really it's important to just provide safe spaces for individuals to come together and share attention around a common interest or passion and just see how the group norms and the group culture develops.
2: Um, So we want to end this presentation by noting um, how it was, and still is, because this group is still going on, um, just such a privilege to work with a group of such funny, creative, and passionate individuals. Um, Having this game group made us genuinely feel Uh, A stronger connection with our students and with each other. And um, we really looked forward to it every week. And it was, in a sense, therapeutic for us as well. And it helped us get through some stressful times. Um, So that's the end of our presentation. See our references.
0: Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast, which was a little bit different. It was the presentation by June and Morgan from the Rebecca School Conference, the New York City DIR Floortime Conference from March 5th, 2021. If you're a caregiver looking to implement your own floor time approach, please check the ICDL Parent website at the Interdisciplinary Council on Development and Learning for a virtual floor time consultation or for the weekly parent support meetings. We aim to help you implement your program at home using the Developmental Individual Differences Relationship-Based Model, or DIR, taking into account your child's developmental level, their individual differences, and using your relationship with them to help promote and support their development. Until next time, here's to affecting autism through playful interactions.